Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, we got the retest I've been talking about for a while now. And thanks to the Dow Theory, and it's been such a great tool to help guide us through these down markets. But now that we've hit the retest, the big question is where do we go from here and what's the play? And that's what we're talking about today. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gains. All right, we're going to bring on Bill Ulivari, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. His website is always senecalcapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E capital.com. Well, Bill, great to have you on the Gains podcast. Andy, thanks for having me again today. I can't wait to get started and have a conversation with you. As you know, uh, being a big Dow Theory guy myself, I've been calling for the retest. The retest is here. Uh, how how are you seeing things, Bill? Well, I have I have several opinions, okay, and I'm ten, I'm I'm mulling them all over through my head. So on one hand, I have the words from Peter Lynch, who was the famous uh, manager of Fidelity Magellan Fund, who said. Far more money has been lost in preparing or anticipating market corrections than has been lost in the corrections themselves. So um, I have a lot of things going on as an investment advisor from inbound client conversations. They want to know about gold, inflation, uh, gas prices, food prices, like what's going on. So I guess we can we have a lot to talk about today. So on one hand, um, what I see is this. I see, do you remember the movie, The Matrix, when in the opening scene of the movie, when the policemen are trying to arrest Trinity, who is in a very dark room and she's, you know, in a conversation on a laptop and the agents pull up in front of this hotel and the agents of The Matrix say to the lieutenant saying, Lieutenant, your men were instructed to stay here and wait for us. And the police lieutenant says, you know, you can take your jurisdiction and just put it where the sun doesn't shine. I've already sent up two teams, and they're bringing her, her back now. And the agents say, no, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. And so that's my opening line, because if you look at high-grade copper, gold, lumber, oil, all the, all the complexes, you know, eggs, um, soybeans, wheat, corn, everything is down substantially from their highs from a year ago. So I think the inflation beast has been killed. 
certainly brought under control. We just don't know it yet, right? Just like the agents didn't know that, uh, just like the policemen didn't know that his agents uh, and, and soldiers were dead. So, so you're saying inflation has peaked. We're coming on the other side of this. We just don't even know it. We just don't even know it yet. I mean, I just don't see anything in a positive trend in terms of the energy complex in the food and agricultural complex in metals. Like, I, I don't see anything that hasn't already been the bubble hasn't already been popped. All right. From my perspective. Um, so I find it interesting. Uh, what also I find interesting is that the American Association of Individual Investors takes a survey and they basically rank positiveness, you know, bullishness or negative sentiment, bearishness, somewhere between, say, zero and 100. And it doesn't really get much above 64, 65 percent. And it doesn't get much below, say, 8 percent, like going back historically. Well, right now, the bullish sentiment for the AAII survey is 17.73%. That's lower than the COVID low. It's lower than the 2016 low when we had a change in administration, uh, you know, with Trump going, uh, you know, as, as president. It's lower than the 2009 market crisis. We're almost as low as we were like in 2003, right? In 2002, when the market sold off, the, the AAII bullish percentage got down to about 22%. In 05, it got down to 18%. So we're as low as we've been in 20 years. We're lower than we've been in like 22 years. And, you know, the interesting thing is the contrarian in me immediately says, wow, that is a, a really positive sign. I've been convinced that we were going to have this retest all along because we haven't had that stock market washout. Uh, the last time uh, we were down at these levels or a little higher from here, uh, the market immediately snapped back. There was just so many people on the sidelines when it got cracked that were just ready to jump back in. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling it is a little different this during this retest. You know, investors aren't so willing just to immediately, you know, start buying at these lower levels now. So the contrarian in me thinks that, boy, a lot of people being bearish now is actually a good sign for the markets. Right. It's kind of like there's so much bearish news out there. I'm bullish. Right. Uh, here's here's part fact number two. And again, there's there's no one underlying thing that makes all my investment decisions. It's always like little pieces of of data that I find interesting. I find interesting that I went to an investment seminar about two weeks ago and they had investment managers on a panel. They had maybe 70 or 80 people in the audience, all really big investment managers from either 100 or 200 million of assets under management to about, I don't know, maybe 10 billion of assets under management. And Andy, I am telling you, every single one without exception was bearish. They're bearish on the market, they're bearish on inflation. Uh, you know, they think inflation is going higher. They're bearish in credit, you know, the long-term, intermediate-term bonds. And I walked away from there saying, oh, my gosh, I've never been more bullish in my life because it's just when everybody is going one way, there's only one way the, bo the balloon can pop. And this reminds me again. I was on the trading floor in 1987. The market got crushed in that one-day 25% negative move. And what happened? The market closed positive on the year. 
And I know we're running. I, out it of was time. all the. It, it came all the way back, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, actually, I was in high school. Just full disclosure, I was in high school, and I anticipated that we were going to have a beatdown because they were talking about it all weekend. I called in sick to school so I could stay home and watch it on a, a channel called FNN, the Financial News Network. So that was like what existed before CNBC. That day was the day people threw in the towel, and you can see how quickly markets come back. Kind of feels close to that now. I mean, being at the bottom now seems so much different than last time, and it seems like the pile-on, the negative pile-on is certainly a little more robust this go-around. So um, I, I figured there may be another washout day or two where it just, you know, just seems bad, but... uh I got to tell you, though, when you look at things, kind of a good entry point to get in. And, you know, for those who've been uh, sitting on dry powder, if you use a dollar cost average strategy when buying stocks, boy, you start dollar cost averaging at these lows. Uh, might not be a bad idea. Thoughts? No, I agree. I, I mean, I, you know, I did a recent radio interview um, on Monday and I pretty much said the same thing, like, on one hand, see, everybody's talking about inflation. The time to prepare for inflation is when we have deflationary times. The time to prepare for deflation is when there's inflationary times. And what we saw is really the only flight to quality was the U.S. dollar. Bonds did not provide the flight to quality and protection that we all thought. Precious metals like have done nothing Nothing. It's amazing how gold and silver for so many years, people said, oh, it is just going to take off three, four, five thousand dollars an ounce in in inflationary times. We've seen gold actually drop over the last six months. And and that that's very telling, too. As you were talking about some of these asset classes also being beat up places you would normally get cover precious metals come to mind your, your, your thoughts on how precious metals I, I i gotta tell you silver is so cheap right now it seems like a really really another good opportunity silver and gold but silver even more so to dollar cost average in and then uh you know we can also talk crypto but your your, your thoughts on just somehow some of these expected asset classes in in bad marks haven't done well either and you just spoke to the only thing that's really kind of held in there is the strength of the dollar right i mean you know i listen i am not a huge gold or silver fan to be honest with you um I, it just seems like for me the inflation hedge is the s p 500 it has all the pricing power built in you know within it uh so silver is down 21 percent year to date gold is measured by gld the exchange traded fund is down 11.54 percent probably down maybe 18% from its high. And again, I think what the lesson I've learned this year is to think of things more like risk on or risk off. Gold is risk on, lumber is risk on, Bitcoin is a risk on, QQQ is risk on, Tigray copper is risk on, everything is risk on. What's risk off is the US dollar. And if you, t- you, you talk about a contrarian play, I mean, for the last four years, I've heard nothing but dollar bears. They were pro-gold against the U.S. dollar, especially, you know, post-COVID, where we printed three, four, five trillion. Like, the, 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 the U.S. dollar was supposed to be, like, going hyperinflationary. And yet, here we are. The U.S. dollar has done remarkably well. 
it's almost, you know, almost a 20 year high is going back to oh one and oh two. So we can know, thank I'm, I'm not... the Fed, though, on this one. And and I, I think that a lot and this speaks to the other component to this. A lot of it is very Fed driven. And yeah. I think actually a very responsible thing the Fed is doing now. I was really concerned about all these years of just whenever the stock market dropped, just add liquidity. That's not the case. The Fed really has kind of turned things around, and that's kind of a new thing that we haven't seen in a long time. So that dollar thing is really, I, I think, don't you think it is completely Fed-driven? You know, Andy, I, I really don't know for sure. I cannot speak. Of, you know, I, I have these mixed feelings about the Federal Reserve. Like, on one hand, they were supposed to provide all this stability to the economy, right? Uh, you know, the, the, from the Federal Reserve Act of what, 1903, 1906, I'm not even 1911. I'm not quite sure when the Federal Reserve was put into being. And so they certainly had a very interesting mandate, right, full of employment and, uh, you know, the, the protected dollar. And now it's, you know, I, I'm just it seems to me that the Federal Reserve is kind of the cause of the instability rather than the thing that defends against instability. I don't know. I just, my feelings of the Fed have changed lately. They went from inflation is transitory to we're going to stop at nothing to bring down inflation and to increase unemployment. Like the labor, the labor market's too tight. So we're going to wreck the economy to create more unemployment so that we get inflation down. Like, I, I don't know if I like that conversation. To be I, honest I, I think though, I think that the inflation Inflation destroys nations. Recessions generally don't. So, I mean, there is a real danger for inflation to to get, you know, if it gets completely out of control. And and the U.S., this, 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 our central bank has kind of led the way in tightness. So I'm willing to, uh, you know, have a little roughness in the market. And, well, you know, full disclosure, I, I've, I've taken advantage of it. But, right. uh, I, I mean, I just think what we're doing long term is probably a good thing. It sounds like uh, you, you disagree with that a little bit. Well, I just, you know, I'm just asking myself, like, you know, they just went double barrel shotgun with the zero interest rate program. You know, of overseas in Europe, we had negative interest and negative yielding bonds. Truly 16 trillion of negative yielding bonds in, in the EU or in the Eurozone. And, and so, like, how does that really help? The small investor. How does that help the economy? How does it help companies plan for uh, how to price models? I mean, I, I think asset classes have been completely distorted in the way that we use mathematical models to create, you know, option. The Black-Scholes model needs generally an interest rate above zero <laughs> in order to properly calculate what an option model is. So, like, how do you how do you proceed? when the risk-free rate is zero, right? And so I think the Fed overdid it to the downside, and now I think they're going to overdo it to the upside. And just just look at that dest- destruction in interest rates, you know, from COVID until today. And now they're, the 10-year is trading, what, 3.9%, I think it is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, the, uh, it's, the- it's unbelievable. And then there is one X factor, though, that is completely different. I've brought this up on the GAINS podcast many times. We may have even talked about it. The X factor here, and I think the Fed's doing the right thing, just from my opinion, and uh, let's get a little further washout, get this thing done, but one of the X factors that I think is going to be a lagger here and really is is just something that, you know, the free market used to take uh, would address that it isn't now because of 
governmental and policy decisions, and that mm-hmm. is the mismanagement of energy, especially even right. globally, but yes. uh, even here in the U.S. And I think that some of the core issues that are going on right now aren't going to get any better. Like in the past, when energy got expensive, we just drilled more and and sourced more. And, mm-hmm. you know, this this quick turn to green when half the world doesn't even just seem to be ready. And then your backstop for Europe, which was tapping into Russian gas, which that's not going to work, has really put Europe in particular in a real bad position. And, you know, the United States isn't here to help this time around because of our our energy policy. And there doesn't appear to be a change in that possibility, at least for a couple months, and it could be longer than that. How do you see energy, and do you agree with that being an X factor that is being controlled by policy a lot different than we've normally have seen? Oh, absolutely, and I totally agree with you. I mean, it certainly seemed as though under previous administrations, we were focusing on being energy independent from uh, every one of, I don't want to call them adversaries, that's not the right word, but uh, to be energy independent, like that was a way of becoming more self a self-sovereign nation, not relying on the Middle East or even, you know, Russia, et cetera, for our energy. And it, and it makes sense. Right. I mean, I think that's a great thing. You know, I, I mean, environmentally, I don't know about, you know, fracking and some of the other things that were, were going on. I can't say I specifically know exactly how that impacts the environment. But I would say that we have completely um you know, Jordan Peterson did a really interesting podcast recently, and he kind of talked about this moral superiority of the West and how we're just going to magically impart this you know, green energy deal with you know windmills and solar panels and other types of alternative energy without, without really having it firmly in place before we let go of the, the, the crude oil and the natural gas and that type of you know, fossil fuel so, and coal. So I, I find it interesting that, you know, we kind of got what we deserved here because we let go of one rope before we had a, a firm grasp on the other one. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold. Would appreciate the solid there. As always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. Uh, we'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, back with Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview. The website, of course, SenecaCapital.com. Hey, Bill, you always uh, share uh, an email or an offering with uh, the Gaines listener. Uh, why don't you throw in that plug? Well, sure. Uh, you can text the text the number text, text the word blockchain to two two eight two eight and subscribe to our newsletter. And again, it's a combination of blockchain. Stocks, options, bonds, energy, everything I'm talking about, I try to include in our newsletter. Uh, so it would be text the word blockchain to 22828, and it will ask you to in, uh, submit a email address. And you can opt in or opt out at any time that you want. We kind of set the uh, table of where we're at and how we're seeing things. And we both expressed that, boy, things have come back a lot now, and there's just so much bearishness that this might be an opportunity to potentially nibble, get back in. What are you telling your clients? What's the play here? And I, and I guess, what are they also telling you? I'm, I'm sure you're getting some nervous calls nowadays as well. So kind of kind of feel that for us. Well, it's really interesting that you bring that up, Andy. Thank you. And that is, I had a client conversation uh, with probably, uh, you know, our top tier client uh, today. And we had a great conversation in terms of what is the strategy going forward? And so when I talk to them, I'm actually going to be laying this out and doing it for all our clients, you know, regardless of their account size. So one is we're going to be looking at the symbol UUP, which is an exchange traded fund that invests in the U.S. dollar. UUP is the up dollar ETF. And the reason why we're doing that is because we were very disappointed in traditional bonds and fixed income as the flight to quality. So for us, the Invesco Deutsche Bank U.S. dollar ETF, UUP, that's going to be our new go-to, um, our new go-to ETF for risk off. Right. So we're going to be playing. Interesting. Give that ticker again. We're going to do UUP union union Paul. Now it's overdone here. Okay. Okay. Looking at a 10 week moving average and like bell curve analysis, the top end of the range is should be 30 middle of the bell curve is 28.75 and the bottom side of the bell curve is around 27. It closed at around 30.75 on the way high of the range. So I think the U S dollar has gotten a little ahead of itself. Looking at this chart, Andy, it looks like a short covering commodity rally. So I'm, nice. I think I think your your analysis, your forecast of maybe this double bottom test, I think is going to play out to be true. Maybe we have one or two more days or one or two more weeks of a gasp. Uh, but I I think the U.S. dollar has gotten a little bit ahead of itself here. So I'm, we're going to keep an eye on that. So that's step number one. Use UUP as a defensive play in lieu of bonds. Secondly. For our clients, we're going to be slowly bringing in these uh, the exchange traded funds that are the um, uh, the high yielding ETFs like the Globex, Nasdaq 100 cover call ETF symbol QYLD. 
We're bringing in XYLD, which is the Globex S&P 500 covered call ETF. Bill, real quick, yep. explain for yep. those listeners, we've talked about it a little bit, the cover call strategy, but explain, uh, I like QYLD too, uh, it throws off a great dividend, explain the cover call strategy. So for example, uh, imagine if you were to uh, own just the exchange traded fund, you know, SPY, the S&P 500, your dividend income is passed on to you when the companies declare a dividend, like you know General Motors and Ford and GE and all the other companies in the S&P 500. But the Globex S&P 500 covered call ETF derives an income stream from the selling or creating an income credit from selling call options, which are derivatives, say, at the Chicago Board Options Exchange or even at other exchanges. So the idea is with a covered call strategy, you're willing to give up, you're willing to suspend big upside capital gains in exchange for an immediate income credit to the portfolio. So they're achieving roughly a 1% monthly income credit to the portfolio that's derived, it comes from the selling of call option premium. So if you look at the actual year-to-date P&L, it's not doing very good. It's down almost as much as the S&P 500. But what the S&P 500 has is a dividend income of around 1.79%, where XYLD has a dividend income of uh, 12.5% annually. So for the most part, Andy, XYLD has traded sideways. It's right. It's trading in the same level as it was in 2012. It doesn't go anywhere, not like the S&P 500. Why? Because the when you sell a call option, it limits the upside potential. Wait, wait real quick. Okay what's the that. difference between XYLD and I, I, I use the uh, QYLD? So okay. QYLD is the NASDAQ 100. So they buy the NASDAQ 100 QQQ, like right. all those products, and they sell the at-the-money or the slightly out-of-the-money options. That's a covered call ETF for the NASDAQ 100. That's the yeah. uh, that's the one that I use, and then and and explain the difference. The, the other one that you give, give the ticker again too. So there's three of them. There's QYLD, which is the Nasdaq 100 QQQ. There's XYLD, like X is like the S and P, like SPX. XYLD is the S and P 500 covered call, and then there's RYLD. That's the Russell 2000. Same thing. It's the Globex Russell 2000 covered call ETF. And that yields around 12.4%. And these things, again, Andy, year to date, they're down everybody, every bit as much as the, um, the actual indexes. But what you don't see from the screener you know, on Yahoo Finance or from other platforms is that it pays a 12.5% dividend. It, and it derives that dividend from the credit created by option uh, covered call writing. So we've talked about using covered calls and getting that monthly dividend. We talked about UUP, the the, the dollar play there. What other types of things, um, you know, you mentioned growth now has been beaten up. Are you dollar cost averaging into growth or do you think it's going to lay flat for a while? I mean, we've talked about growth versus value. You know, if our contrarian selves see things as kind of bullish because the rest of the world is bearish. Do you take advantage of that? What's the play? The run, like the performance of one asset class versus another can either last a few weeks or a few months. So let's just look back at the last week. The last week we have value 
has underperformed growth by maybe 37 basis points. So value is down 8.27%. Growth is down 7.9%. I find that kind of interesting. Year to date, of course, growth has gotten hurt. It's been hurt pretty bad. Growth is down 31%, 31.5%, and value down 13%. The last 30 days, they're exactly even. Growth is exactly down 11.74. Value is down 11.74. So again, there's some very small ebbs and flows in asset classes. But you might remember back in, uh, in, when we, in the beginning of 2001 to 2003, value held strong. And the QQQ and growth just got annihilated by, you know, 35, 40%. I think that those were the numbers. I'm going to have to go back and look. But just like we saw value completely outperform growth during COVID, now we're actually seeing growth beginning to take leadership over uh, value. And that's probably, again, because, you know, energy and utilities and, and those kind of dividend-paying stocks have gotten hurt uh, in rising interest rate environments. So I don't know. We'll see, Andy. It's the, the jury is still out. Bill, as we wrap up today's gains yeah. podcast, what's the takeaway? And and again, just recap all those tickers. You know, yeah. just give a chance for okay. people to actually write these down again. So and I uh, just want to say one more thing yeah, about absolutely. the value versus growth. Okay, so we have year to date, we have growth as an asset class down thirty one point five two percent and value down thirteen. So growth is underperformed value by like you know, 18%, right? I mean, it's, it just hasn't, it just, growth has not done good, almost 18%. The three-year return of growth versus value, growth outperforms value by three and a half percent over three years annualized. Over five years, it's almost five and a half, six percent. So the, the, the three-year and five-year returns, growth always outperforms value. Over 10 years, growth outperforms value. So historically, growth has always outperformed value, except for these short-term hiccups, like we're seeing today, where now growth is underperforming by 18%. Okay, so the question is, are things going to rewrite themselves, and we're going to things are going to become normal again? I think so, and I think we're seeing it now with growth beginning to look a little bit better than value. So that's my story in terms of the growth value component. As far as how do you get um, participation in the market? Um, while we're kind of making up our mind, while we're consolidating. Because they say that there's four parts of every economic cycle. Expansion, peak, contraction, and consolidation. That's expansion, peak, contraction, consolidation. If we are in the, if we're at the end of the declining contraction and we're going into consolidation phase, I want to get paid a high dividend stream and have uh, exposure to equities like the Russell 2000, the QQQ, and even the S&P 500. So for my clients, we've added XYLD, the dividend-paying S&P 500 cover call strategy. We've added QYLD, which is the NASDAQ 100 dividend-paying ETF. And we've recently added RYLD which is the, the Russell 2000 High Dividend Paying Exchange Traded Fund. It pays their monthly, pays a dividend monthly. And it's, it's what I, I've got my kids in it. Like the, for the, my, my 22-year-old son, imagine, if you can't even imagine the magic of compound interest, if he's involved with equities, he's earning a 12% uh, 
annual dividend, and sometimes it's 9%, sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 12 and a half. But imagine a young man or a young woman with a IRA or a small portfolio getting started. Like, why would you not just compound these, you know, reinvest these dividends on a monthly basis or semi-annual basis for long-term growth? I, I just think it's one of the best deals out there. And, and on those monthly dividend paying uh, ETFs that you mentioned, that's, I mean, at the end of the month, you're putting it back to work. And a lot of times for me, I just put it back in a QYLD uh, to just keep it churning. So, uh, and, and what you kind of spoke to is capitulation. Are we close to seeing the pit- capitulation? How do you know when we're at the bottom, uh, Bill, as we wrap up here? How do we know we're at the bottom? Um, well, honestly, I feel a pit in my stomach that just makes me want to dry heave into the way. The waste paper basket. That, but, that's how it's um, fe- that's how it's felt in the past when we've hit bottoms. Go ahead. Right, right. But you know, listen, Andy. I've been. I, w- I started in 1980. I've seen a lot of bull markets and a lot of bear markets. I was on the trading floor during the 87 crash, 89 mini crash, recession in 92, long term capital management, the dot com bubble burst, the Great Recession. Like I can, this is, doesn't bother me like it used to. I'm very agnostic quote unquote, in terms of the bull market or bear market. And I know what's going to happen. I know what happens historically. We're going to put in a low, the market's going to turn around, and we're going to make a glorious new high in eight to 10 to 12 months. That's what the United States does. I don't think that this is something different, because whenever you say it's different this time, it's not different. And And we hear that every time. We hear it's different this time, every time we're here. I mean, there is, there is not an indicator or an oscillator on my page that isn't so oversold. Again, going back 20 years or 25 years, it peaked turning points in the market, whether it's 2008, 2009, 01 to 03, uh, you know, 2019 into 2020, and then you know, the COVID low. I mean, we're right about there. 1970, I went back to studies going back to 1974, and the decline we had for COVID. I mean, it was every bit as low as the 1974 bear market, the 1979 to 1980 bear market. I almost feel the way, I don't know if you remember 1987, you know, interest rates were eight and a half percent on that 30 year bond and bonds kept going down and down and down and down all year long. And then right in October, they turned around and bonds rallied three limit days in a row. They were carrying bond traders out of the pits on stretchers for heart attacks and strokes. It was incredibly messy right right during the 87 crash. So I'm not saying that that's going to happen again. I'm just saying I have never seen more people bearish in the bond market, more people bearish in the stock market. And the thing that's going to hurt managers the most is if we close up on the year. <laughs> that's interesting. That's the most damage that we could do to portfolio managers is in the next two and a half, three months, we close unched or up on the year. Just because oh of gosh. the way they're positioned. Yes. We'll end it there. Hey, big thanks to Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview, the website, SenecalCapital.com. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. As mentioned, I've been told that's podcast gold. Would appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We'll be back on Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast, powered by Odyssey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 